0: now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome
1: to show everybody. Okay, today we are talking about the influence of smell. And smell is just one of the things that is so important. It's so important to our communication with each other. It's something that we naturally read and respond to our environment by this the sense of smell can be the most influential part of decision making whenever we enter into any kind of interactions with the world. And so it's so important to understand the psychological influence also of smell and how that affects us. When you think of your five senses, your mind might leap first to your sense of sight or to your visual, uh, all the visual things. And then perhaps if you're like me, usually you think first with your sight uh, uh place at the top of your sense priority. However, you might be surprised at how important your role uh, as your sense of smell plays in your day to day decisions, your emotions, and your memories. And it's also incredible how a, scent, a smell can actually take you back in time and to tie into certain memories that maybe you haven't recalled in a very, very long time. So, anyone who makes choices about business interiors should always remain. Uh, conscious of how the space is experienced by smell. You know, it, it, whether it's a retail space or customers or a hotel lobby or an office space or clients, employees, scents are very pleasing and can be very helpful uh, when we make a big difference. And, and why are sense of smell is so important? Well, there's five different ways in which smell as a priority can be extremely important. Uh, smell and memory. You know, a scent is the uh, a sense closest link to memory. And, and studies have shown that people can remember a scent 65% accuracy after one year, while visual memory sinks into only about 50% after a few months. So the smells we experience play a crucial role and how we associate with memories in places. You know, have you ever come across a whiff of something that instantly takes you back to, to childhood or takes you back to an old memory, whether it reminds you of your mother's cooking or a childhood trip to the ocean or a distinctive uh, scent sinks into your brain and it just stays there? And also, uh, emotion and smell are very tightly uh, tied together. Did you know that smell has a strong influence on the emotions we feel in our daily lives? I mean, the emotions... We affect the way we relate to places and research studies that explore the ways which smell affects human behavior. The part of the brain that smells and tastes is part of the emotional brain where our personality lives. So it's very tightly tied to emotion. Also, uh, time. You know, studies show the way that smells can influence our perception of time. You know, in one one of the studies, 20 separate participants were exposed to a baby powder aroma, a coffee aroma, no aroma at all. And while the coffee aroma produced a reduction in the perception of time, the baby powder aroma produced a longer perception of time. Likewise, uh, pleasurable fragrances have been shown to create well time in stores. That means pleasurable scents makes you hover into that space that you're getting that scent from and so retailers know that if they get good smell the people are likely to stay in the store longer and make more purchases also healthcare you know creating an uncomfortable and relaxing atmosphere for a patient is a challenge for every healthcare facility uh, no matter what what size for example lavender fragrances uh, fragrances They're used in nursing homes to calm residents and emergency rooms to calm worried visitors. Actually, I use lavender in my very office, and I can't tell you how many times people respond to that and relax because they smell a good odor. It's good, it's fresh, and it, it's calming. Also, our productivity can be dictated by smell. Our senses of smell can even uh, affect our office environments. Specific smells have been found to increase alertness, which in turn results in higher productivity rates. In in a certain study, uh, they found that when lemon oil was diffused throughout a Japanese office building, productivity amongst data entry operators increased 54%. So, scents can also be used to ward off mid-afternoon brain fog and rev up your concentration rates. Just... Just, just the, as the way of dressing, the color of your clothes, the food you eat will influence your mood. Smells also play an influence on your mood. And so it's found that, you know, smell exerts influence on your ability to learn new things and your mood, the way you perceive things or facts or behavior and energy. But, but a great number of people who are unaware of this simple fact. However, you know, if we know it and we understand it, we can use scent. The scent in the air to actually influence our communication with people that we function with. You know, it, it, it's when your sense of a particular smell, it results in the release of aesthetic chemicals such as enzymes, proteins, and secondary messengers. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, I got cut off there. We're talking about the influence of smell, and so uh, you know, when you sense a particular smell. It results in the release of a a lot of chemicals, enzymes, proteins, secondary messengers that serve as signals to the brain, you know, altering its functionality. And so it's important to understand that as the brain is operating and as it's, it's moving through life, all of our senses are programming into our brain and saying, hey, here we are. And they're all sensing the environment around us. And this is a survival mechanism. And that's why it's tied very strongly to our fight or flight, which is our, an emotional area of our brain. All of these senses are tied to fight or flight in order to save us because a smell can identify, let, let's say, a fire. And all of a sudden we smell it, but we can't see it, but we know we got to run. And so these things are all about survival and knowing what our environment is around us. You know, the brain greatly influences, is influenced by smell. You know, you may be, uh, you might feel tired of your work throughout the day, but you still have more work to do on the table to compare. Uh, complete. So, in those situations, you would love to have a short walk in the garden full of fresh flowers. And after the walk, you'll start to feel refreshed, rejuvenated with energy. And this is just because the pleasant fragrance of the flowers have reduced stress in your brain and empowered it to work more efficiently. You know, the chemical messengers that are released within the body upon perceiving a pleasant smell exert influence on your thoughts and your moods. So, chemistry such as uh, alcohol me, which is uh, a little bit of science there, in the end, no matter whose end you're trying to end up in, it still comes down to knowing, sewing a little chemistry. Smelling is chemistry. So the nasal cavity has roughly 12 million odor-detecting cells, and each odor-detecting cell has one of about 350 different olfactory receptor, receptor proteins, and it is specialized for sensing a limited number of dormant odor molecules so these receptor proteins work in different combinations to enable people to detect at least 10,000 distinct scents our brains olfactory bulb the part of the brain that sorts through smells has a very close connection to the oldest part of our brain the limbic system and the limbic system by the way sits right on top of your survival, of, of your sense of survival. And so, odor triggers subconscious emotional responses before arriving at the brain's uh, visual section. And, and the cerebral cortex, which is the reasoning part of our brain, in most people, this is usually the most underdeveloped or the least underused part, a great deal of processing odor is done on a subconscious level. So we subconsciously evaluate people based on odors. Even every thought of yourself is there's something about that guy I don't trust. Well, odds are you're subconsciously picking on uh, a nuance of body language or you're subconsciously picking up on a negative odor from that person. And so research suggests that we even, even a subliminal undetected level of odor pheromones, and we'll talk about that in a minute, can influence our social preferences. So smell subconsciously facilitates a variety of human social interactions. People use smell to assess a person's likability, their sexual attractiveness, and their emotional state. They can also use scent to distinguish a stranger from a friend, so a male from a female, and someone who's gay from someone who's straight, and so human social judgments and social interactions are at least particularly under the control of smells where we can't perceive them. They're, they're not there on a conscious level, but they're there on a subconscious level. Even some evidence suggests that humans may detect p- uh, pheromones through uh, special nerves distinct from what governs smell. You know, uh, each of us has our own, you know, funky foot, uh, f- uh, fingerprint. You know, we, we have our own unique scent unlike any other person on Earth. And it doesn't matter how much we try to mask it, you know, just ask like a a, a dog or a bloodhound, something that is very in tune with its environment. Uh, Smell for dogs is intense. I mean, think what they do. They smell each other's butts. That's how they detect each other. You know, conversely, you know, when um, studies have also shown uh, that uh, a man's body odor, is more important than his appearances. Between the ages of 8 to 16, girls begin to dislike the odor of male sweat. And so, conversely, when adult women smell uh, uh, the pheromone of the man's sweat, their cortisol levels increase. And cortisol normally is connected with stress. It's also associated with sexual arousal. So people whose clothes smell of pine are perceived to be more successful, intelligent, sociable, sanitary, and attractive than those whose uh, clothes smell like, let's say, of lemon, onion, or smoke. You know, and uh, a study completed by uh, researchers at the University of Chicago concluded that women who are breastfeeding emit pheromones that put other men in the mood for sex. Also, these pheromones act as a natural uh, aphrodisiac. So, putting women in the mood for sex is increasing women's libido by 42%. Isn't that amazing? You know, you have to look at pheromones. You know, how do we announce and excite and and, and show sexual availability? Well, you know, a lot of animals do it with their own, uh, you know, their own smells, their own pheromones. You know, why do bulls or horses turn up their nostrils when they're excited by love? <laughs> you know, even Darwin, even Darwin pondered deep in, in unpublished books that he came to believe that natural selection uh, designated animals to produce two and only two types of odors, defense ones like the skunk and scents for uh, territorial marking and male attracting. And, and like that excluded by that male musk in a deer, it, that, it's a bottled perfume and it it's, it's throws the scent out to attract. And that scent will attract the courtship and brings on the relationship because the animals may not be able to see each other, but they can smell each other. And, you, know, uh, you know, animal pheromones were actually uh, used for human beings. Uh, back to when uh, women would walk around with a, a little uh, handkerchief, and what that handkerchief would be scented with their odor, or it would be scented with a perfume, but it was also scented with their odor, and men would buy these handkerchiefs from these women that would have their odor on it, and that's incredibly amazing. You know, you know when we're exposed to certain scents, these childhood memories pop forward, and not just childhood. You know, like a, a faint trace of lemon can significantly increase people's perception of their own health. Lavender, uh, it, 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 its uh, incense contributes to a pleasant mood, but it also lowers uh, volunteers' mathematic abilities. So math is not so good when lavender is in the air because the brain is a little more relaxed. You know, a whiff of lavender and eucalyptus can increase people's respiratory rate and their alertness. And the sense of uh, uh, rose oil reduces blood pressure. You know, these kind of findings lead to a very rapid development in the aromatherapy uh, industry and believe me, uh, aromatherapists point to scientific findings that can smell can dramatically affect your mood, and uh, even in therapy. And I can tell you, in therapy, it is plays a big, big, big role. Uh, you know, m- mood is uh, demonstrably affected by scent, and we're going to talk about a little bit more about that, and then we're going to go on into love and smell. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come right back. <music>
2: your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit DRGBMFT.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951 818 7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about the influence of smell in our life and on our moods and how we think and how we operate and how we socialize. You know, for an animal whose nose supposedly plays no role in sexual attraction or social life, human emotions are strongly moved by smells. And we appear to be very profoundly over-equipped with smell-producing hardware. For what little sniffing will have thought to be up to. I mean, our noses are hugely sensitive. Human sweat, urine, breath, saliva, breast milk, skin oils, sexual secretions, all contain scent communicating chemical compounds. And so, you know, we have to look that the, the parts of the confusion as far as what smell is, is that it is in our conscious mind. It goes from our subconscious to our conscious and so suddenly when a smell hits us, we can't see it. It's intangible and it creates some confusion because we're looking for where it's coming from. And so, you know, we have to look at our own sense of pheromone. We contain, we send out pheromone odors based on these things that are based, linked to our emotions. I'm sorry, I'm stumbling over, all over myself, too much coffee. And so we we possess skin glands, and these glands also uh, are very common. They're in our uh, face and in our forehead, but they are all over our body. And uh, these glands produce smell, and we are subconsciously producing that out into the air. And so you know we have to think as we look at this. Uh, you know we're we're pushing out a lot of odor. And we have to be able to be aware of that because it may be impacting how we are interacting with our partner, uh, how sexually attractive we are, how how attractive we are as a person. You know, around the time when women are ovulating, their sense of smell is very enhanced. You know, uh, when they were put in a room for a study, uh, they, they had these male volunteer shirts. And first they would sniff them. The unworn, sh- uh, the, the unworn shirt, and then they would send. Uh, then they would smell the scented shirts, and then they were asked how sexy, how pleasant, or intense was the smell. And women in the uh, when they're ovulating, they have a very strong sense for, hey, I, that pheromone smell is extremely important to them. So think about it right before, about midway from one period to the next, that's when the ovulation stage is and that's when a woman is most sensing for sexuality. They're most seeking out that sexuality and they're looking for that smell. So the effects of, uh, of, of smell are, has a very uh, strong indicator also for disease. You know, from diabetes to viral infections to schizophrenia, usually uh, schizophrenics emit a sweet, strong uh, body odor. And it's a warning cue that uh, for ancestral females in the search of good genes for them to know that this one may need to be avoided. You know, in the case of schizophrenia, you know, the issue is very confounded. While some schizophrenics do have an unusually sweet smell many suffer from delusions of foul smells emanating from people's bodies so they also respond to smell uh, very profoundly and it may be a delusional smell or it may be actually a real smell you know uh How does, you know, body odor affect a woman's sexiness? Well, scientists really don't know, but they do know that a man's allure depends in part of how the immune system genes he shares with a potential mate. You know, since it's known that women can detect uh, genetic compatibility by smell, it's not that men can't, but so far, really no one knows. How a man does that, but a female definitely does that by smell. So guys, if you want to get a female and you don't want to be judged harshly, smell good. You may be ugly, but you can smell good and that will make you attractive. Okay. Now, there's a number of surveys examining how we rate uh, the appeal of the opposite sex. And we found that in these surveys, they found that men place the highest importance on how physically attracted a woman is, while women find men of high status, power, resources, money, most attractive. The contrast of looks with status between a male and a female makes, no evol- uh, makes total evolutionary sense, but also physical attractiveness in women is indi- indicative. Uh, is indicated by a potential fertility and a social status in a man is indicative of being able to help a woman rear her children. So through a warm house, hired help, plenty of nutritious food, we will certainly support a woman's ability to uh, raise a child. The most important factor in the evolutionary game is that the child herself be healthy enough to thrive and be uh, reproductive and, and be successful. So, women, finding a man who can provide material benefits is good, but the most importantly, he should be able to sire physically healthy children. And by the way, women, when they have children and men, know their child's smell. And, you know, it's amazing, but our immune systems are coded for a cluster of genes called the uh, histocompatibility complex, and, and everyone, except if you have an uh, identical twin, has a unique set of these genes. So in that unique set of genes, that genotype for your immune system, your phenotype and, and the external manifestation of the genes of your immune system, that is your body odor and your odor print is unique as a, fing- a fingerprint. Now the loss of smell, uh, psych- psychological impact of smell loss is very, very profound. Given that our sense of smell clearly plays an important role in our, uh, our makeup especially our psychological makeup, it's, it's one of the five ways in which we connect with the world around us, but its absence can have a very profound impact. And uh, people often talk of feeling isolated and cut off from o- the world around them when they can't smell. And it's a very blunting to their emotions because smell loss can affect one's ability to form and maintain close personal relationships and it can lead to depression. An important issue here is the fact that smell loss is invisible to all but the person experiencing it. You know, it, it, it's amazing how if a person loses that sense they, things don't taste good. Things don't taste the same. Life doesn't taste the same because smell is one of our strong indicators of emotion. And it's one of the ways that we all connect. So, um, you know, research has shown that the loss of the olfactory function could be an indicator that something is far more serious. You know, smell loss occurs in uh, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's, and uh, also uh, diminished sense of smell is an early sign or the offset of those particular conditions occurring several years before the motor skill problems actually develop. And and so, you know, the the olfactory is in the upper part of the nose and it generates an impulse which is passed to the brain along the olfactory nerve. So the part of the brain, this arrives, is first called the olfactory bulb which, which processes the signal and then passes the information about the smell to other areas closely connected with it in the limbic system. Once again, the limbic system is right on top of our fight or flight mechanisms. So, it, it compromises a whole bunch of structures and it sends that signal out through our brain and a lot of it is, once again, our motor, our uh, muscle movement, our, our muscle memory in our brain is is gets the first signal because that is the fight or flight. You know, so, with memory, probably more than any of our other senses, those with no olfactory function actually lose memories because… Smell may be the only way that they reach back into a certain memory. And when they lose that smell, well, and they can't smell, they lose memory. And it's amazing how that can affect somebody's life. You know, it is so strong that, you know, some scientists have developed uh, from sniffing that the first kiss can be essentially a primal behavior during which we smell and taste our partner and decide if they're a match. You know, it's likely that that much of our emotional response to a smell is governed by association. Something, you know, that that is basically different. Uh, people can have different complete perceptions based on smell. You know, it's, it's, take perfume, for example. One person may find a particular brand powerful, uh, aromatic or heady. Uh, with another person describing it as overpowering, uh, sickly, nauseating. You know, despite this, there are certain smells that all humans can uh, find repugnant, largely because they warn us of danger, the smell of smoke, for example, or rotten food. This This is extremely important as far as us understanding whether something is edible. You know, what is the cause of body odor? You know, we have to think about that. It's that no amount of scrubbing or brushing or deodorant apply can deter body odor. You know, we can not eliminate it, but we can tone it down a little bit. So, one sense is when you have body odor, you're stressed. You know, believe it or not, there are are several different types of sweat chemically um, in our body. And the stinkiness of sweat is a, a sweet smell. And that's because it's produced from a category of sweat glands called epic gl- glands and epic glands produce a less watery sweat and bacteria go crazy for the fats and proteins in that mix so that that feeding frenzy is what is the release of the odor that is happening so when we uh, sweat from uh, workouts it's because where it, it may be very hot outside, or on the other hand, it's composed mostly of, of water and uh, electro uh, sorry about that, electrolytes. And so the deal is is that when we produce that sweaty, stressed out smell, what that's telling our body is it's going to produce a very strong odor and that strong odor is going to communicate. So if you're a stressed out person, you're probably going to be a stinky person. And, uh, you know, if you've been blessed with, let's say, stinky feet, you know, uh, bacteria are going to have an all-you-can-eat all buffet with that. You know, they love sweat on your feet. So, if your feet are tucked away in a dark, warm, moist environment, then they're nurturing bacteria, especially in the socks. But, you know, 10 to 15% of people have extra sweaty feet just by the luck of the genetic draw. So, you know… Uh, Ultra moist feet are going to be very stinky feet. Never a bad idea if you have stinky feet to use foot powder. <laughs> also, you know, if you have too few bras, well, yes, you're going to be stinky. Bras, if you have bras, uh, we have to understand uh, many women's underwear, uh, underwear and overwear, uh, if they're underwashed, or if they're not washed on a consistent basis and have bacteria-killing chemicals in the, in the detergent, uh, that broth can, can uh, send out a lot of very strong odors. And the, once again, they're, they're subconscious odors. They're not always conscious odors. Uh, and broccoli. If you eat lots of broccoli, you're probably uh, you know, loving that. But also, broccoli, garlic, onion can stink up more than your mouth. They are smelly foods, and they're broken down into smelly compounds that circulate in the bloodstream and come out through your breath, your sweat, and your urine. So, once you're eating broccoli, onions, garlic, and those are good for you guys. It's no big deal. But the thing is, you got to understand, you got to wash up after that because you know what? You're going to be producing some pretty stanky smells, you know, also – Um, if you've been drinking, you know, if you drink, you're going to sweat off a hangover. So not only are you going to be stinky when you drink by your breath and by your behavior, but you're also going to be stinking the next day when you're getting over the hangover because you're going to be trying to get rid of all that toxin that was in your body. And so it's very important to understand that if you're a heavy drinker, you're probably a heavy stinker. Also, uh, you know, you could be having diabetes when when uh, you have a lot of body odor. It is a and it's not being treated. It's a high sign that that you may be having um, uh, a diabetes or a pre-diabetic. And so, without enough insulin, the body starts to break down fat for fuel, which leads to the buildup of uh, of uh, it's called ketones in the body, and, and that buildup in turn may produce a change in body odor, and so smell is oftentimes a very strong indicator that, hey, uh, something happened in here. Maybe you've gained a lot of weight, or maybe your diet is, is very poor, and so what happens is the body goes, hey, it's time for diabetes, and diabetes starts creeping into your life, and then you start to sweat and stink, and so people that don't take care of themselves often stink, and we had to realize that. So, you know, if you want to change your body order, switch to a diet in, uh, in, in protein and low in carbs. A low-carb diet is going to make you have, uh, excuse me, a low-carb diet is strongly tied to people that don't have bad breath. If you have a low-carb diet, you're probably not going to have really bad breath. It's, it's something that really influences the carbs, actually influence the smell that our mouth emits. And carbs also are tied to sugar. So if you think about that, they stay in the body uh, for a long period of time. So here's some remedies if you have body odor. Keep yourself squeaky clean shower at least once a day and you will wash away sweat as well as reduce the number of bacteria in your skin. And sweat by itself is virtually odorless. But when microscopic bacteria that live naturally on your skin mix with sweat, they multiply quickly and they raise a big stink. So washing uh thoroughly, especially areas prone to sweating, can really reduce body odor. And if you sweat normally, you might have more of a problem when your body odor than people who sweat too much. And that's because w- people who sweat excessively, the sweat tends to wash away the odor-causing bacteria. So, uh, also, using an antibacterial soap can help remedy body odor. You know, washing thoroughly with uh, an antibacterial soap will reduce the bacteria count and reduce the odor. So, um, look for antibacterial in your soap packages if you're buying soap. Also, you want to towel off. And once you've showered, be sure you dry yourself completely. Towel off and make sure you don't dry any areas where you – make sure to dry – any areas where you sweat a lot. So if your skin is dry, it's hard for bacteria to cause body odor and breed on it. Also, uh, you want to uh, apply an industrial strength deodorants and antiperspirants. So once you're clean and dry, you want to use a strong deodorant or antiperspirant on your underarms. And while deodorants do not prevent sweating, they mask the smell of bacteria on your skin. So the anti uh, uh, anti uh, these anti things, take, sorry, I'm, <laughs> these deodorants, they have a very uh, strong uh, chemical chloride ingredient and that reduces sweating and it also uh, contains deodorant. So, stronger deodorants and antiperspirants are available without a prescription. So, look for those kind of products and make sure that they that have those indicated on them, that they have uh, aluminum chloride as an uh, anti. Um, perspirant. Okay. Now, if you think you need more help and you may want to ask your doctor about a prescription of something that can help you, all right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and do the last part of it. We're going to talk about bad breath and uh, farting.
2: us on twitter for more great ideas at voice america empowerment
0: do you like what you're hearing on the show today dr gary bell wants to help you no matter where you are he's fast efficient effective and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions if you're ready to change right now drop everything and call or text dr bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com.
2: The Compassionate Life is about just that. There are so many human beings who have made a name for themselves by being humanitarians. They have become individuals who are known for being selfless, kind, and compassionate. Host Dr. Brittany King is also one of these humanitarians. Each week she shares stories of kindness that she has experienced throughout the world, both as a contributor and recipient of these acts of love and kindness. Listen every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment.
0: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but... If you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology.
1: Welcome back, everybody. All right, We're talking about smell, the influence of smell in our life, and, and in particular, we're talking about body odor, and now you know, a lot of people don't realize, but in this day and age, a lot of people have to sit stationary in an environment with another person fairly close to them. And if you're a person that rides in planes, if you're a person that, uh, you know, is sitting in a stationary environment with lots of people, if you have to sit in a car with lots of people, if you have to ride the bus, if you ride a train, whatever it is, you have to think about what am I emitting? Am Am I emitting a lot of smell? There's a lot of people who don't even bathe you know quite frankly um, many people would not even bathe for a week two weeks three weeks or a long long time Uh, many of them were people that were walking in the desert or out in the forest or whatever and they lived outside but the deal is that body odor basically was the creation of perfume I mean they when people if if you were somebody let's say in Europe Perfume was a big, important thing because it prevented you from thinking that you had to take a bath. So they would use perfume to uh, mask the smell of their body odor. And uh, unfortunately, uh, a lot of people uh, overdid it. So, a lot of people have a very strong perfumey smell, and that is a very unattractive smell. As a matter of fact, as people age, we also become more smelly. And that old person smell, a lot of older people will use strong perfumes to cover that smell. But the other thing is you have to understand the other factors that create the smell. So, you want to treat it, not just live with it. You want to treat it. So, you know, keep, you know, your wardrobe clean you you know a change of clothes when you're uh, a heavy sweater can uh, be very important so fresh clothes help keep the body odor down and and if you also have stinky feet change your socks also the other thing is you want to cut down or cut out offensive foods or drinks you know what, what what you eat affects your body odor. So foods that tend to make your sweat more, such as hot pepper or spicy foods, might also contribute to B.O. And the aroma of foods such as onion and garlic can be carried into the sweat and making you smell bad. And we've said that earlier. Uh drinks with caffeine or alcohol may also cause you to sweat more. And so you have to understand, hey, am I how is this going to affect my socialization? <laughs> <laughs> By eating what I'm eating. All right, now, another, another factor that we all understand is very, very important is bad breath. You know, bad breath communicates a whole lot of strong things. But I could tell you that one of the most important things to prevent you from having bad breath is to also. Um, brush your teeth and to floss. A lot of people don't floss, and they don't realize that there's a lot of food in between those teeth, and that food is getting stuck, and it may live there, especially if it's meat. Like yeah, nasty uh, meat that's gone bad. It's in your in your teeth, and that smell is rancid, and it goes out, and it lives. In the people who have to receive its environment and it's a very, very hideous thing and uh, it communicates a whole lot of things about your hygiene – so, you know, you want to not only brush your teeth, but you want to brush your tongue. And, you know, there's these uh, little things that are like copper, and you can use them to actually clean your tongue. It's like a copper, uh, like a wire, and basically it cleans your tongue, in a sense, to be able to get rid of odors that may just sit on the tongue, you know. Halitosis can put a very severe strain on all types of relationships social, personal, intimate. You know, bad breath can be a key indicator that, uh, that uh, when beginning a new relationship or keeping one going, you know, broaching the subject of bad breath, even with a partner, can be extremely difficult, but it's often avoided until the problem reaches the point where you no, uh, can no longer overlook it. You know, so here's how bad breath affects a relationship lack of intimacy avoidance, frustration, a loss of self-esteem, anger, depression. You know, the other thing is uh, bad breath can be a very strong indicator that you may have a disease. And so you may want to look at going to your doctor and not only having to talk to them about your halitosis, but also talking to them about potential for disease. You know, despite years of focused effort on having good oral hygiene and even spending a fortune on products that promise a cure, some people will suffer from chronic bad breath. You know, they may have even uh, feel like they should give up on the idea of curing it. But your mouth is full of bacteria. And so maybe uh, using, you know, a mouthwash might be a good idea for you, especially if you're going to plan on having any kind of intimacy with anyone, including uh, just kissing your children goodnight. You know, um, you know, the brush and floss after eating, you know, five day old rotted meat stinks, you know, brush it and floss so simple, so simple. You know, bad breath is a common condition that goes on, by, and it's called halitosis, and while the condition can be caused by a whole bunch of reasons, the primary cause of bad breath is bacteria buildup in the mouth and at the back of the tongue and between the teeth, so while maintaining really good oral hygiene… With, with uh, practices such as brushing and flossing, using a mouthwash, tongue scraping, are obvious ways to regulate bad breath. But you can also try some home natural remedies that treat bad breath. Uh, those may include, um, I think you could take like peppermint oil. Peppermint oil on the tongue will immediately, and it may be really strong tasting, but it will immediately help your, your breath get better so if you can't brush your teeth maybe have some peppermint oil around and that may help you you know if you're prone to a dry mouth uh, it, it, it then also make it a habit to frequently swish some water around the mouth and this a- action will temporarily dislodge bacteria and make breath more at least agreeable you know uh, many instances bad breath is often a re- result of dry mouth and a dry mouth can easily become a breeding ground for bacteria. So it's important to assure that you're getting enough hydration. And when the mouth does not have enough moisture, odor causing bacteria comes out in droves. So make sure you stay adequately um, hydrated and drink, drink, drink. So, you know, what also can you do to prevent bad breath? Well, fennel. Fennel is is an excellent mouth freshener, and and it can help eliminate bad breath. So fennel seeds are packed with certain um, uh, antibodies, um, microbial, uh, antibodies that can be very effective in fighting the bacteria that develops in the human mouth. So since the seeds are, are easily chewable, simply pop a few of them in the mouth, chew on the, the freshened breath and stimulate the saliva production in the mouth with the fennel. And as an, as an alternative to tea made from fennel seeds can also be consumed uh, a couple of times a day to prevent bad breath from returning. Also, cinnamon. Cinnamon is another natural remedy that effectively masks bad breath. You know, cinnamon contains an essential oil called somatic uh, aldehyde, and it gives cinnamon its its flavor and its odor. So, this, this organic compound also covers up bad breath while reducing the amount of bacteria in the mouth. Cloves. Cloves are another solution, just like cinnamon. Cinnamon. Cloves also possess antibacterial properties that can be very helpful in phasing out bad breath. And the simplest way to use cloves as a bad breath remedy is to chew on a piece or two thoroughly. And this gradual gnawing action helps release essential oils that can combat the bad breath. Parsley has been used to to, uh, neutralize bad breath for a long time by many cultures. And its potency lies in its chlorophyll. And the content in that chlorophyll, it has a counteracting to bad breath and it also acts as a deodorizer in the mouth. So the easiest remedy to use parsley uh, for halitosis is to chew on a, on a spring or, or a mouthwash instead. Also, uh, lemon juice. Lemon juice can help treat halitosis in two ways. First, uh, the acidic content in lemon helps prevent bacterial growth in the mouth. And secondly, its distinct odor assists in masking bad smell. So using lemon helps stimulate saliva production, which also helps combat bad breath. Apple cider vinegar is another remedy. It gives a pH balancing uh, activities and that apple cider vinegar holds the potential to neutralize bacterial activity in the mouth. So its acidic nature helps clear bacteria from the mouth, while its antiseptic feature breaks down the plaque that promotes bacterial growth causing bad breath. So if you have a lot of plaque and you haven't flushed your teeth and you don't do a good job brushing your teeth, that plaque contributes to your bad breath. Baking soda can also, it's a very natural ingredient uh, to treat bad breath. And it's also uh, bicarbonate of soda, so it helps balance the levels of acidity, which contributes to our bad breath. So, using baking soda alters acidity levels in the mouth and creates a less friendly environment for odor causing bacteria to develop. Uh, tea tree oil, it pro- it's a very natural cure for bad breath when used as a toothpaste additive. Also, herbal teas often come with antioxidants um, that can help curb bacteria growth in the mouth. So classic herbs like peppermint, spearmint are good choices since they're already being used in a number of uh, oral hygiene products. So these herbs add a really nice sweetness to the breath that that lasts a long time and is considered pleasant by most people. So you know, you want to think about that. Now, let's get to the hard part, farts in relationships and yes, I'm saying farts. Well I have a nine-year-old and a three-year-old and farts in my house. For children is very funny. But also, you know, they happen to all of us, whether we like to talk about them or not. But as girls, you know, they're, they're pretty much socialized to pretend that they don't have buttholes because some genius decided that farting was a boy thing. Not a girl thing, but this leads girls to straighten up having panic attacks when it comes to the idea of farting, especially around a partner, leaving millions of girls having the worst stomach aches ever when they're trying to hold in the gas in their butthole. You know, I know it's awkward, but life moves on and you're not going to be identified as a bad person just because you fart. You know, still, you know, most ridiculous farting drama occurs between uh, couples who have no idea how to deal with the farting in their relationships. But, you know, guys, if you're going to have a relationship, an adult relationship, especially at the office or with your partner, you want to set boundaries about farting and communicate how to handle it. I know that sounds crazy, but it can create some major drama. You know, there's a guy, his name was uh, James Doherty. He married uh, Marilyn Monroe when he was about 21, and I think she was like 16. And her name was Norma Jean back then, but she uh, reportedly unleashed a stinker while they were at the movie theater. And he said to the reporter that he spoke to that it was the foulest smelling fart he had ever smelled, and that it nearly filled several rows of the theater. And she sat there uh, like an ominous cloud that the fart did for like 10 minutes, he said. So time slows down when you fart. So, you know, she was not yet famous. For her sexual roles, but she was laughing hysterically, apparently, in the movie theater while after everybody cleared. (laughs) So, uh, you know, sometimes people, um, you know, especially teenagers or certain colorful type of people fart when they are clowning around. And, uh, you know, it can be a fun thing, but it also emits an enormous smell. And so you have to weigh, is this the right place to fart? Well, go to the bathroom. If you have to fart, the best, smartest thing to do, no matter how funny you might think it might be, go to the bathroom. Um, I know some people... Uh, with their family in the car, will lock the door and shut the windows as they're driving and fart, and they think that's the funniest thing on earth. Well, it's not. It's funny, but it's not funny. <laughs> so, you know, farts communicate a lot of things, especially diet. Uh, so, you know, it can re- it can uh, represent an expression of a feeling. It, it can be an angry fart. Uh, you know, uh, it-, it can be uh, uh, something to draw attention. It could be uh, expressed in situations of danger. And, you know, and when people die, they usually fart. They usually actually poop when they die. And uh, I guess they get so relaxed in that last breath, they just wah, let it go. You know, sometimes a fart is, is just a fart. But also, it may show that you have irritable bowel syndrome or a medical condition uh, like gastritis. So, you know, it, it, it's... Very communicative and it's out there. So anyway, you know, human narcissism also causes us to avoid, uh, subjects such as, uh, farting. You know, narcissists often don't want to talk about their farting, but you know, you, we do need to talk. And if you're a couple, you need to have boundaries. So that's our show. Our next show is memories. And, uh, how they are the meaning in our life. And I want to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or Twitter at drgbmft. Now remember, farts remind us and everyone else around us how bad we smell after we're dead. And uh, now remember this, love is like a fart. If you have to force it, it's probably crap. And last but not least, farts happen when our butts blow kisses. Thanks
0: for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you.